The following is a sermon from Living Hope Bible Church in Port Rowan, Ontario. For more information about our church, please visit livinghopebiblechurch.ca. Welcome to the Living Hope Bible Church podcast. We are diving into the book of James. We're very excited to look at this very practical book of how are we as Christians supposed to live. You know, the world doesn't need any more pseudo-religious, judgmental, um, prideful, arrogant, hypocritical Christians. The world needs Christians that reflect the cross. So let's listen in. Thank you, worship team. So good to worship and lift our voices louder than the voices that scream these days. Amen. So good to worship and lift our voices. So good to see many of you here this morning. Welcome here if you're visiting. My name is Mark. I have the privilege of being the lead pastor. Maybe you're online for the first time. I just want to say thank you and welcome. Uh, thank you for joining us this morning. Trust that God will bless you and, uh, and even watching at home. So I hope you're ready. Um, kick that lazy boy. Put the seat down. Get ready. Have your Bible in hand. You might need to put your coffee down a little bit. That's okay. We don't have coffee here, right? Anybody holding a coffee here right now? I hope not. I hope not. I hope you're ready with God's word instead of a coffee. All right? So we're so excited this morning to get into God's word. Let me ask you a question. Have, uh, have your words ever got you in trouble before? Show of hands if your words have ever got you in trouble before. Okay, if they haven't, you say no really and you're lying and they just got you in trouble. Um, but all of us, our words have got us in trouble before. Uh, I remember a time long, 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 long time ago... Um, I'll just say that, but it was, it was a number of years ago. My mom and I, we like to um, at times banter back and forth, but it's all in good fun, all right? It's, it's not disrespectful. It's all in good fun. Uh, my mom and I are not driven personalities at all, and so uh, some of you laugh. You know my mom, and you know me, and so uh, we like to have some, some friendly banter, but the conversation went one way um, during, during the conversation. I didn't know what to say. Figure that out. <laughs> I didn't know how to respond. So you know what? I said the very first thing that came into my mind. Now, I'll just tell you right now, that's never a good option. All right? And the very first thing that happened to come into my mind was this. Fair may la bouche. Now, I don't even know if I said it right, but you get the point. Now, I had no idea what I said. It slipped past the gate of my teeth and the lips that were supposed to guard. And you know when a conversation happens where it like changes real quick and everything goes slow motion? And like the world's crumbling, crumbling around you, and you're like, I just did something, I said something I shouldn't have said. You've had that before? Well, the look on my mom's face described that I had crossed the line massively. And uh, praise God for a little bit of discernment in my younger years. And I realized that I just did something I shouldn't have done. And so I was just like, sheepishly, I just, Mom, I have no idea what I just said. I have no clue what I just said. She's like, well... You just told me, not like that, I'm just kidding, but you just told me to shut my mouth. I'm like, <gasps> the very thing that you did was her reaction, like, oh, I was like, all of a sudden I'm going, oh no. So I'm like, I'm so sorry, mom, please forgive me, Lord, I'm told not to dishonor my mom, and I'm apologizing to the Lord and her, and my mouth got me in trouble. Talk about take your shoe off and shove it in your mouth, right? Kind of bite on that fist a little bit. Mouth got me in big trouble. The reality is, though, loved ones, we can joke and laugh about this, praise God, that it wasn't done in a serious way. <laughs> I wouldn't be here today. Um, but uh, the reality is, is that um, we can use our mouths in ways uh, that can be very destructive, can't we? Uh, we have to be so careful. Let me ask you this. 
Uh, what's been coming out of your mouth lately? What's been coming out of your mouth lately? How has your tongue been used lately? Now, when I say tongue, and we get into the text this morning, I'm not speaking about the lump of mass in your mouth that helps you chew and swallow, all right? That's how God uses the word tongue. He uses the word tongue in the way of speech, in the way of speaking. So when you hear me say tongue, I'm referring to words, okay? Um, what kind of words have been coming out of your mouth lately? Um, have they been words that have been building up? Have you been building people up with your words? Or have you been tearing people down? Have your words been used for good, or have they been used for evil? Have your words been used to encourage, or have they been used to discourage someone this past week? Listen, how we speak matters much to God. How we speak matters to God. So much that Jesus says in Matthew chapter 12, verse 34, he says, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What you say matters much to God. Your words are an outpouring of your heart. So what's been coming out lately? What's been coming out? James is going to address this matter of watching our words this morning in the text. I want you to turn to James chapter 3. And um, this is so important that we go through this because we all struggle with our words at times. And so this is going to be a good reminder. Uh, but James, as he goes through this text, he's really going to hit two main points. There's going to be two main realities that he's going to speak about in regard to our tongues, all right? And then there's implications because of those realities. So there's going to be two main realities, two main points, but implications because of those main points. And the first thing that James is going to talk about is the power of the tongue. It's the power of the tongue, all right? And so our point, my point for you this morning is this, our tongue has great power, okay? Our tongue has great power. Now make this personal, your tongue has great power, all right? Now look at somebody next to you and say, your tongue has great power. All right? Your tongue has great power. Now the first way that James is going to say, uh, tell us that our tongue has great power, how it has great power, is it has power to direct life. All right? Our tongue has great power, and the first way that has great power is it has the power to direct life. I want you to look at the text. Look at James chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. Follow along as I read, and then we'll kind of walk through what it says. It says this, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder. Wherever the will of the pilot directs. James is going to start out in speaking how our tongue is powerful and how it has the power to direct lives. He speaks by addressing teachers. He starts by addressing teachers. Now that's a very good way, a place to start, right? What's the primary role of a teacher? Now the primary role of a teacher is really twofold. It's to teach and to instruct. It's to give direction on the course that the student is, is to go. So if you're at school, students, teachers teach you. That's what they get paid for. Hopefully they're doing a good job, right? 
but they're to instruct you and give you direction on what you to do with the assignments, right? What you're to do and how you are to do it, all right? But in the church, James is starting out by saying, listen, not many of you should become teachers. Uh, teachers have been given the authority to lead and direct in life. Uh, so if teaching in the church, Bible teachers, they're given the authority to teach the word of God and for people to follow the word and follow the instructions that are given by the teacher. But there was a problem in the early church in the sense of, not a problem, but there was problems that aroused in the church because of uh, some people wanted to just be teachers in the church for wrong reasons. There were some that wanted to teach in the church um, because they wanted the acclaim. They wanted to be recognized. See, then teachers were held in high honor. They were held respected. And teachers today, are you really held that way anymore? Uh, it doesn't seem so much anymore, right? It's the same with, uh, it's the same with pastors at times. They're not held because they're just looked at as just, ah, oh, you're just another person. And we are other people, but there is a difference in the role. And so there's some that just wanted to teach because they wanted the acclaim. Rabbis were highly respected, teachers were highly respected, and so they wanted that. They wanted people to follow them and listen to them and, and come under their teaching. You see, church was run differently then. See, we come together on a Sunday morning, we gather and we worship and we lift up our voice, praise God for that, praise God for the worship teams, then you receive the word and then we respond through worship and then we go home, we fellowship and then we go home, right? And we usually eat lunch, right? But it didn't really happen that way in the early church. How it happened was they gathered together, and one person would give some instruction according to the word of God, according to the Old Testament. Right? The New Testament hadn't been written. It was being written. And so they give some instruction in the Old Testament. And so one person would stand up, and then they would sit down, and somebody else would teach. And then another person would stand up, and then they would teach, and then they would sit down. So there would be different people teaching at different times, and multiple teachers in a worship gathering. And so James says, hey, listen. Not many of you should become teachers. Not many of you should become teachers. And he gives the main reason why. Yes, it's to direct life, but look at this. And this is a really sobering passage for myself and for all Bible teachers. It says this. For you know that we, he's including himself. This doesn't eliminate James. James is a preacher. He's a pastor. It says, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Not many of you should become teachers because you're going to be judged with greater strictness. What James is saying is that we're going to give an account. There's a, a reality and a truth that we all are going to stand before the bema seat of God. That we will give an account before Jesus Christ. Now, not a judgment in the sense of you're condemned, like did I do enough works to earn favor with God? No, no, no. You're either saved by grace and you're in the kingdom of God or you're not saved. You can't earn salvation by what you do, okay? But for those who are saved, we are going to be rewarded for what we do in this life. For the believers in Jesus Christ, Paul talks about this, that if we're building our kingdom here, it's going to be like wood, hay, and stubble. It's going to just burn up. But if we are building the kingdom of God, it's going to remain, and there's going to be rewards for that. The Lord is looking for, um, for ways to commend us for what we do now with our time, our talent, our treasure, our gifts, all those things. But the reality is teachers, they're going to give a double account. And so James isn't saying don't teach He's saying, hey, you better teach with right intentions. If God has called you to teach, then you need to teach. And he will empower you to teach, but keep your heart in check. If you're doing it for the acclaim, if you're doing it to be recognized, man, you're going to be held accountable for that. That's a scary thought. I know it humbles me constantly, saying, oh, Lord, oh, please help me that I may honor you in everything that I say. May it be your word, may it be your truth. 
But the reality is that teachers have the authority and the power to direct life, to direct life. So he says not many should be in this, but not just teachers, loved ones. I love this. James doesn't just include teachers, but he includes everyone. Not just teachers, but you also who don't teach in a setting like I teach right now, or maybe not teach a Bible study in the church, but you also are going to give an account for how you use your words. Every one of you will give an account. We all will give an account for how we use our words. I say that because he says this, for we all stumble, teachers alike, but we're more accountable, so be careful, because we all stumble. That's to trip up. It's to not fall away from your salvation. It's not to fall away from God's grace. It means you stumble along the way. It's like tripping up on on a path. You fall forward, right? You trip up. We all stumble in many ways. And he says this, and if anyone, anyone, that's everyone, does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man. That is a mature man. He is a mature man, able also to bridle his whole body. That bridle is to hold in check. The point he's making is, is that our tongue has great power. It has great power to direct life, and so we need to be very careful because the tongue is one of the ways in which cause a lot of problems in our life. A lot of sins are the result of what we say. A lot of sins are the result of what we say. Our, what we say often dictates what we do. And so he says we all stumble in many ways. If you're able to control your mouth, it's going to save a whole lot of problems. But we all struggle. We all struggle in what we say. But the tongue, the point that I want you to understand here is that the tongue has great power. It has power to direct life. Look at what he says here in verse 3. See the examples? He gives two examples. A horse and a ship. Right? Horse and a ship. What guy's that giant beast? It's a bridle, right? You get on a horse and if you're confident and knows you're not scared because it can sense those kind of things. I don't know. I'm not a horse guy. But um, you get on there and you control that thing with, with its um, bridle in its mouth. Um, a ship, if you've been in a boat, you understand that. In relation to the size of the boat, it's just a really small rudder. Our mouth does the same thing. It has the ability to direct life all right, has the ability to direct others' lives and your life. You realize that? Your tongue has the power to direct other people's lives. And just think about this when he gives these two examples. Um, think about this with children. You have married, married and you have children, or you have, you have children, one, two, few, many. You see that is a reality in the ability to direct life, right? You tell your kids things to do or not to do. You give them instruction, it's through the power of your tongue. Yes, example, but the power of your tongue to lead forth. You know, you sit here, you sit there, you wear this, uh, you, wear, you don't wear that. Uh, you need to eat your vegetables. Um, no, you don't, that's okay. I, I don't know, just all these different things, right? Power direct, you're going to school. I don't want to go to school. You're going, and then they go, right? <laughs> get my point? To direct life. We see this, maybe... Um, you need some help and some counsel, and I've counseled many people over the years, and I've got counseling many times over the years, and I know in this time of COVID, I've had to ask for help from other pastors of what are you doing in this situation? How are you leading forth? How are you shepherding? How are you navigating these waters? There's no playbook on this, and what do you do? So I've literally gone, and I've talked to other pastors to get their counsel, and they've helped direct me in this role here and encourage me. They led me in that. They had the power to direct and give instruction Listen, your tongue has the power to direct other people's lives, but it also has the power to direct your own life, right? Your tongue has the power to direct your own life. Who's here married this morning? Who's married? 
Okay, there's a, a number of people married this morning. Do you realize that your words set you on a course for the rest of your life? You realize that? You went before a pastor and you uh, stood before the pastor. And the pastor said, those words, hey, do you solemnly swear to give your whole self and completely to your spouse, you know, to love and to hold, to cherish and sickness and health, for better or for worse? And the day you said I do is the day that sets your life on a whole other course, right? It's true. Hopefully a good one. Praise God for marriage. Praise God for our spouses. Some of our wives are going, oh, I don't know if that's what I signed up for. Right? But the reality is those words you made before your spouse and before God have a direct bearing on the outcome of what you do. Right? Isn't it clear? We have the power to direct our own lives, not just with marriage, um, but also, I know, like, I think about even in my own life, what are some things that I said and that led me into a place and where I am now? And it's like my words had a direct bearing on what I have done over the last nine years as a pastor. I came here in 2008, and I stood up here with kind of the grill fest, right, where the elders were up here, and they're asking questions. I stood before many of you and some that weren't here at the time, and I answered questions. How I responded was going to have a direct result on whether I was going to have the role as a youth pastor and the role as the lead pastor when I shifted into this role, right? And had a direct bearing. There was one question that somebody asked. I won't say the name, but it had huge implications. Gord Reimer asked me when he was sitting there, and uh, it was a public thing. Got you, brother. Um, he was sitting there, and you know what he said to me? This totally got me the role as a youth pastor. He said, I got a really important question. What's your favorite uh, hockey team? I said, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Like, hey, he's hired. He's hired. You can have him. All right, he's good. Right? Some are going, oh, man. But in all seriousness, how I responded, not to that question, but to all the questions and in, in that meant to the role, had a direct bearing on the outcome, whether Kelly and I and our boys would be here or not. Our words have a direct effect. They have great power. They have the power to direct life. Not only do they have the power to direct life, they have the power to destroy life. Your words have the power to destroy life. Look at the text here. Look at now at verses 5 and 6. Now look what James says here on the power to destroy life. He says this, So also the tongue is a small member. Get that? That's in relation to the size. The tongue is a small member. Yet it boasts of great things. It can be used in, in, uh, in, in great acts of evil and, and boasting about yourself and about all that you can do and tearing other people down. But look what he says here. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among the members. It elevates itself um, and straining the whole body. That is defiling or polluting the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. Do you see that there in the text? What James is speaking here to is the destructive nature of the tongue. When James talks about and uses this word hell, it's a picture of the destructiveness of the tongue and how we can use our words. See, in, outside, of, uh, outside of the city of Jerusalem, there is a place called Gehenna. This is where we get our English word, hell. And Gehenna was like a place of perpetual burning. All right? It was outside, and they burned their garbage, and their refuse, and they threw the, the, the carcasses of dead animals and also criminals. Now, the carcasses of criminals that have been put through the justice system on this pile. So it was a perpetual burning. 
But that was the place um, also called before then was the, the Valley of Hinnon. And that was a place where um, some nasty heathen worship went on to the false god Moloch where they would sacrifice babies in the fire to this false god. And it was in that same valley and the Jews hated it. And so it became their junk heap, their pile heap of perpetual burning. The, value, the, value, the valley of Hinnom was uh, the place where they called Gehenna. And Gehenna is the word that we get our word hell from. It depicts the destructive nature of the tongue. And that's what he's doing. In verse 5, the first part, the second part of it says, How great a force is set ablaze by such a small fire. One little word can cause great destruction in your life and in someone else's life. I just have this picture in my mind when I was younger. You've probably heard this story before, but a buddy of, of our, I think we were probably around nine years old at this time, nine or ten, somewhere in there. But um, we used to, um, you know, you go out in the woods and you have a little fire and you warm up and then you put the fire out. Um, nine or ten-year-olds, please don't do this. All right, it's not the smartest thing for you to do, okay? Uh, but I remember we were out in the country and uh, we were, like, my grandpa owned uh, 100 acres of property and he had the big power lines go through the back part of his property. You know, like these massive power lines? You go outside of Hagersville, you kind of see all those big towers. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I can't see your faces. You've got to give me a big nod. Okay, so you have those big towers, and those areas are kind of cleaned out. So there's forest on either side, um, like thousands of acres one way, thousands of acres the other way. And so we decided to go back there and warm up with a fire. So I guess it's starting to get windy, and it was a fall day, and so my uh, buddy went to put the fire out, and he kicked one of the pieces of wood, and it caught. And it started to spread, and it caught some shrubs, and then it just exploded. One little spark, praise God, it was only 30 acres. Um, but one little spark could have sparked thousands of acres. It's a really cool story. We believe the Lord sent uh, uh, some angels to uh, guard that and protect that. I'm not going to talk about that right now, but it's a really cool thing. God's providence and care in that. But there was uh, one little spark started a fire that could have been destructive in many places. This is how James likens the destructive words of our mouths. He says here, how great a force to set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire. It's a fire. Listen, our words, our tongue has great power to destroy life. It has great power to destroy your life. Your mouth has great power to set you on a course that you just wish you never went on. One wrong response, one slip of the tongue, one misguided statement can bring about great trouble into your life and even ruin, right? We've seen this with certain people. They've ruined themselves. Listen, uh, one area that we can really struggle with, I think many of us at times, is the area of our attitude or, or, or our frustration or anger, right? We can allow things to anger us and allow us to become frust frustrated, and that can lead to a world of problems. Just think about this. Say you have a bad weekend. Something happens at home. Something happens and, and you just, uh, you know, you don't like it and it carries out to the week and a coworker says something to you that you don't like, um, you can really damage your integrity. You can really damage your reputation. But you see, it might just not go to the employee. Maybe that employee you really offended now because you were angry and they go to their supervisor or their boss. Your words can have massive problems and you can respond to your boss or your supervisor in a way that could get you fired. They could have massive implications. 
Listen, if you own a business, I know there's a number of business owners here, uh, but I, we've learned this in our business of Hunts Honey, that um, I can respond to somebody in a way uh, that is unloving and angry, and it could cost business. It could cost reputation. It could cost you to lose out, all because you decided to not bridle your tongue. It can destroy, it can destroy your life. Listen, our tongues are like a fire. They're like a fire. Quick temperedness can be easily manifest by what we say. It has great effect. Proverbs 14, 17 says this, a man of quick temper acts foolishly and a man of evil devices is hated. Man, we can act so foolishly and we can react with our mouths. We can destroy. Proverbs 29, 11 says, a fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds back. The power of our tongue to destroy. We can lose our control. We can become angry. Our tongue has the power to destroy your life. Uh, have you ever met somebody that lies? Somebody that is a liar? Man, they've destroyed their life. They can't be trusted. You know somebody like that that just speaks out lies? And they're going to destroy themselves. Proverbs 20, 12, 22 says, The Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in people who are trustworthy. Proverbs 13, 5, the righteous hate what is false, but the wicked make themselves a stench and bring shame upon themselves. And the way of lying, you just bring shame upon yourself. You lie, it shames you. And our tongues can cause great destruction. Our tongues have great power. They have power to destroy lives, our lives, but the lives of other people, loved ones. In the midst of this, how many people in frustration or lying have been hurt by toxic words that have come out of your mouth? How many have been hurt by what you have said in the past? I think we can all think of something. James is reminding us this. Listen, with our mouths, we can use them in, in such evil, bad ways. Listen, we can destroy other people's reputations. We can discourage the heart, and we can crush dreams with our mouths. We really can. You can see this so evident in the life of children, right? How many kids have you seen that have just been crushed? Because they've been brought up in families where their mom or their dad won't even tell them they love them. They just sit and say, ah, fathers won't even tell their sons they're loved. How crushing is that to a child? Not only that, we can be over hard, overly harsh with our kids. And we can um, not, not kind of shape their will, but we can break their spirit. How many times does that happen? We see that. We see um, houses... With foster children, we see families that don't want their kids. Um, students, how have your words been used? They can be toxic at school. So much of that can lead kids to react in ways of violence and great acts of violence. We've seen in the past school shootings happen in the States. We've seen different things happen because kids are constantly torn apart by words. Students, how do you use your mouth at school? Okay, students, I'm looking at you right now. All ages, how do you use your mouths? Do you use to encourage or do you use to smash each other? Kids are broken and they go through hard things at home and your words can either build them up or they can tear them down and make it worse. Our words have great power. They have great power to destroy life. In the church, so words have great power too, church. We see this. Gossip and slander can divide a church. They can divide a church. One maybe misjudgment, one ill word, 
One thing gone array, gone aside and blown up beyond what it is, can destroy someone. Can destroy their reputation and cause them to go somewhere else and grieve the body of Christ and grieve the Lord himself. Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 when he says, I'm, I'm worried that perhaps when I come to you, I'm going to find all sorts of disorder. You know, gossip, slander, you know, jealousy, dissension in the church, how, I, how you ought not to be. And this can happen with our words. Our words can be destructive. Proverbs 16, 28 says, um, gossip separates close friends. It causes massive problems. So listen, our tongue has great power, loved ones. It has the power to direct life. It has the power to destroy life. But I love this. Uh, it has the power to bring life or speak life. Our tongue has the power. Listen, your tongue has the power to bring life to someone or speak life to someone. Your tongue has the power to do that. Look at what verse, um, jump down to verse 17 and 18. I'll kind of read through this section. But it talks about two kinds of wisdom. Or it talks about wisdom, really. Wisdom in, in, your, in your living, but wisdom in your speaking. It talks about um, wisdom that comes from above, comes from the Lord, but then describes wisdom that comes, that is really comes from us, that is from the world. But this whole word boast in there in verse 14, but, you, um, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast. There's the speaking part, and be false to the truth. But listen, speaking in a way that is God-honoring, verse 17, he says, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason. This is all speaking. This is all speech. This is all how we talk with one another. It's peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Listen, as we speak, um, God has given us the power and the ability through the Holy Spirit to speak in ways that bring life and encouragement. This is what he's saying to do. We have the power to, yes, direct life, to destroy life, but to encourage, to build up, to be gracious to one another, to lead someone on the right path. You encourage your kids. I, I love this. My kids, you can just go to your children and, and uh, they're doing stuff like come home from school and Kelly will do this and, and we'll say, hey, great job. And you just see the kids' faces light up. Kids love encouragement, don't they? Just picture, you walk up to a child and you say, hey, you did such a great job with that. Right? Way to go. Good job. They love that and it just builds them up and it's just so life-giving. But not just kids, loved ones. Adults are just like kids that way. Aren't you? Don't you just love, isn't it so life-giving when somebody walks up to you and they just say, hey, listen, you know what? I just want to tell you, I'm so proud of you for that. I saw the way you responded to that person that was so angry with you. I just want to tell you, I'm so proud of you for controlling yourself. Hey, you know what? I'm so proud of you for the work, for the service you've been giving. Um, and I've been seeing you be an example to, to your kids and others. And as an example to me, I just want to encourage you. You do such a good job with that. You're so good at this. You're so good at that. It just is so encouraging. It builds us up, doesn't it? Don't we love to hear that? Just like kids, we love that too. We need that at times. We need it all the time, I think. Many times, too, too many times we don't hear that enough and we don't encourage enough. But God has given us the power to speak life. He's given us the power, which is awesome, to speak the gospel, which leads someone to eternal life through Jesus Christ. He's given us the authority to speak forth um, what life is, true life, in Christ. That's awesome. Jesus says, go and make disciples, right? 
of all nations. And teach them, man, you're a sinner. You have a massive problem. You're a sinner, and your sin has separated you from the love of God, and your place is in condemnation, set apart and, and, and for all of eternity from the Lord. But because of the grace of God, God sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to go in your place to forgive you and set you free through his shed blood. And if you repent from your sins and follow him, he will bring you into his family. He's given us the ability to speak the gospel for it and speak that, man, God wants to walk in relationship with you through his son. He will cover you in his blood. He will take your place from, for, so that you don't have to pay for your own sin. We have the ability to bring life and encourage the heart and speak life, the gospel message. Listen, the tongue has great power, doesn't it? The tongue has great power. Your words have great power. That's the point that James is making first. Our tongue has great power to direct life, to destroy life, and to bring life or speak life. It's great power. Second and final point that Paul talks about, not only does our tongue have great power, second reality is our tongue is a great problem. <laughs> our, tongue is a, our tongue's a problem, all right? This is the second reality about our tongue. Uh, it's a great problem. And the first way that he says it's a great problem is uh, you can't tame it. You can't tame your tongue. And you just need to understand this reality. Let's, let's just be reminded of what the reality is of our tongues. Uh, you cannot tame your tongue. Look what he says in verse 7. He says, For every kind of beast and bird, and, uh, or beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be, can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. We can tame animals, right? There's all sorts of different animals. That are tamed. Man, people tame bears. They tame all different things, right? For us, it's more common for dogs around here. I don't know anybody has alligators or, I don't, know, I don't know if they can truly, but anyways, spiders, I don't know, maybe you can, but, but we can tame dogs, right? And so he's making a point that we can tame all sorts of things. I remember when I was in Saskatchewan, my buddy Taylor, he got this dog and it was, uh, he got us a puppy and it was a Rottweiler, but this thing was massive. This was a massive Rottweiler. Like it sat and its head would be like up here as it sat down. It was huge and massive head on it, massive jaws. And he could never get that thing under control. It was always funny. He'd be like, oh, my dog. He'd say sit and the thing would jump and it would lick you. Right? And I said, Taylor, just, and I was trying to help him with his dog, right? So I'd walk up to, I'd walk up to Dax and I'd be like, sit. And the thing would sit and look at me, right? And it would just tick Taylor right off. <laughs> it was so funny. And, and so, but the point is, is that we can tame things. And then he learned how to tame the dog and it was great. We can tame animals. We can tame different animals. We can tame different things. But the point that James is making you can't tame your tongue. Can't tame your tongue. Look what he says here. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. See the reality of the tongue? It's a problem. Is your tongue always tamed? Your tongue always tame. This is the reality that James is getting at. You cannot tame your tongue. The second problem that we have here is it's not only is that it can't be tamed, but it's inconsistent. That's how one pastor states it. It's so clear. It's inconsistent. And this is why it's inconsistent. Look at the text. Look what James says here. He says this. But no human can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father. And with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. We bless 
and we curse. Do you see the inconsistency of the tongue? You see what he's saying there? We bless God, we curse. From the same mouth, look at the text again. From the same mouth, blessings and cursings. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? These are hypothetical questions in the negative where the answer is no. Okay? Gives another one. Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives? To get olives from a fig tree? It's obvious. No. Right? Or a grapevine produce figs. You ever see any figs come off a grapevine? If you do, cut it and throw it out. Something wrong with that thing. The point is, listen, neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. The point is, it's inconsistent. Our tongue, our tongues are inconsistent. Isn't it so true, loved ones? The inconsistency of our tongues. Like we come to church and we praise God and we worship him with song. And isn't it so easy to like leave church today after singing the praises and encouraging someone else? Oh, I love you, Lord, bless you. Praise you. You go out the door, you drive to a restaurant, and somebody cuts you off. You're laughing because you know we all have the same problem, right? It's not praises that are coming out of your mouth then, right? It's like, I can't believe this guy just cut me off. I just want to get in the line quicker, and they cut into your parking spot, or you go through the four-way stop quicker when they shouldn't, right? You're like, it's your turn to go, and then somebody goes. You have to slam the brakes on. It's just like, oh, praise God. Thank you for teaching me patience, Oh, we don't do that, do we? We're trying to guard from some other words coming out of our mouth. Shame on you. But it's reality, right? It shouldn't be this way. It shouldn't be this way. This is the point that James is making. It's a problem. Our tongue is a great problem. It can't be tamed. And it's inconsistent. Thanks, James. That's so encouraging. Thanks, James, for telling us that. Close your Bibles. Let's go home and pray. <laughs> We come away discouraged, right? But listen, there's something here that James is getting at. There's a point. I want you to look at verse 7, or sorry, verse 8. The emphasis here in the Greek is on no human being can tame the tongue. You can't do it, but there is one who can. It's impossible for you to tame the tongue. But what's impossible for man is not impossible for God. Amen? There is one who can help you and sanctify you and change you, and that is the Holy Spirit in you. He's the one who helps us. No human being can tame the tongue, but I believe by the power of the Holy Spirit, God can tame the tongue, and he helps us, and he sanctifies us. He leads us forward. He changes us. This is what Paul is even saying in verse 13 through 17. Follow along as I read. He says this. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his words or his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. There's the speaking. There's the words, right? But if you have these things, look at this is what we do. This is what we bring to the table. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above. The jealousy, the selfish ambition, and the result of that coming out of our mouths. That, this is what we do in the flesh. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. 
for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. That's us aside of the grace of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's humanity. That's humanity right there. But the wisdom that comes from God, for all those who are saved, who have been given the Holy Spirit, God wants to sanctify you and change you and use your mouth for his glory. He says this, but the wisdom from above is pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. You see the difference, the contrast? Human and from God. By the power of the Holy Spirit, God can tame your tongue and gives you the power to tame it as well. That's the grace of God. You can't do it on your own. If you ever been like trying to like, okay, I just got to control my mouth. So I'm going to be silent. I'm just going to be silent. I'm just going to be quiet. I'm gonna... That won't help you. It'll silence you for a little while, but it won't fix the problem. The problem is, is we need the Holy Spirit to help us. And the Holy Spirit will help us as we submit and we surrender to the will of God. He will help you with your tongue. This is so needed today, loved ones. It's so needed. Listen, James tells us the point. The tongue has great power. It has power to direct life. It has power to destroy life. It has power to bring life, um, to speak life. Our tongue has problem, great problem. You can't tame it. It's inconsistent. But praise God, loved ones, through the power of the Holy Spirit, you can use your speech and your words to build up and to build the kingdom of God. That's how awesome God is. He takes a broken thing and he pieces it back together and makes it whole. And we're all broken. And by the power of the Spirit, we can use our mouths to encourage others. So how are you going to use your mouth this week? Think about these words, loved ones. Allow the, allow the Spirit of God to teach you and remind you that your words matter much to him. Speak in a way that is building and encouraging. Yes, we are to correct. I'm not, James is saying don't correct. But how we do things and the tone in which we do it, they matter to the Lord. May we use our mouths to build the kingdom and each other. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much that um, so clear in Scripture is the reality of our tongues. And we stand before you, Lord, knowing that we are weak in this. We do not have the strength to control our own mouths. And this is not James, Lord, saying, hey, just do better. This is James saying that in your own strength, you cannot overcome. But by the power of the Spirit, God will change you and help you and sanctify you. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. We need your help. May we this week speak words that are encouraging. May we speak life. May we speak the gospel, the, 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 the truth that needs to be heard in the world, the truth that everyone needs, that Jesus Christ is Lord and he will save them from their sins. And so may our words speak forth the truth of who Jesus is. But may we encourage, may we build up, may we not tear down, even in our instruction and in our correction and our discipline, Lord. May we speak in such a way that is rooted in love and grace because of the grace we've received through Jesus Christ. Lord, there's times this week that are going to come where we're all going to be tested. Satan is going to test us. Satan is going to tempt us. And there's going to be some that are going to come to us and they're going to be angry about something. Or they're going to say something that's destructive to us. And we have a choice in that time. 
Are we going to speak life? Or are we going to be silent and let that go? Lord, guard us. May we be seen as children of God by our works and by our words. We love you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. This has been a sermon from Living Hope Bible Church. For more information about our church, please head to livinghopebiblechurch.ca.